Blog Talk Radio. All right, folks. Sorry for that uh, brief interruption, if you will. But uh, we're going to start this show off correctly. Sorry for the really, really bad dead air. We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification and get this shit right. For goodness sakes. Hang on, folks. The damn Geico ads. I'll save even more on my car insurance. Yes, I know. It has been said that anything could happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, but now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the creative envelope, so to speak, in order to entertain you in a more contemporary manner. Even though we call ourselves sports entertainment because of the athleticism involved, the key word in that phrase is entertainment. The WWE extends far beyond the strict confines of sports presentation into the wide-open environment of broad-based entertainment. We borrow from such program niches like soap operas, like the days of our lives, or music videos such as those on MTV, daytime talk shows like Jerry Springer and others, cartoons like the... King of the Hill on Fox, sitcoms like Seinfeld, and other widely accepted forms of television entertainment. We in the WWF think that you, the audience, are, quite frankly, tired of having your intelligence insulted. We also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of good guys versus bad guys. Surely the era of the superhero who urged you to say your prayers and take your vitamins is definitely passe. Therefore, we've embarked upon a far more innovative and contemporary creative campaign that is far more invigorating and extemporaneous than ever before. However, due to the live nature of Raw and the war zone, we encourage some degree of parental discretion as it relates to the younger audience allowed to stay up late. Other WWF programs on USA, such as Saturday Morning Livewire and Sunday Morning Superstars, where there's a 40% increase in the younger audience, obviously, however, need no such discretion. We are responsible television producers who work hard to bring you this outrageous, wacky, wonderful world known as the WWF. Through some 50 years, the World Wrestling Federation has been an entertainment mainstay here in North America and all over the world. One of the reasons for that longevity is as the times have changed, so have we. I'm happy to say that this new vibrant creative direction 
has resulted in a huge increase in television viewership, for which we thank USA Network and TSN for allowing us to have the creative freedom. But most especially, we would like to thank you for watching. Raw and the War Zone are definitely the cure for the common show. The cure for the common show, eh? Sorry, folks, I had myself on mute. Uh, <laughs> technical difficulties. Again, but enough about that. Please welcome to the show, folks, the most loyal co-host I have had in the history of Russell Radio Network. Please welcome to the show the one, the only, Pizza Simpson. What's up, my friend? Let's get into this. Late night Saturday edition. Yes, let's show it. Okay, so real quick, folks, I'm going to clump together what I had down for WWE. And we're going to start off with WWE Raw, which emanated from NC State. It showed on the Tron, basically the beginning of the show, Lashley against Orton. And the whole Big E cashing in moment, which was historical, not really, but I mean, actually, yes, it was. It was Big E's first World Heavyweight Championship, and of course, whatever. So then, okay, so very right out the gate, there's a promo by the New Day, by Big E, and uh, they're calling out the bloodline, Roman Reigns, Jimmy, and Jay. That was actually the very first match on the card, and it was a very good back and forth. Lashley ran interference. And the bloodline ended up getting the victory. So after that match, Lashley went on a rampage and basically destroyed both Big E and Roman Reigns and then went to the back and bitched about him being the whole show, blah, blah, blah. There was a match made later on. Okay. Then let's see here. Yeah, Lashley speared both Roman and Big E. Then Lashley went to Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce. And then in comes, let's see here, another scenario with backstage, Orton and Riddle. And then it was AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton ended up getting the victory after Owens was kicked outside, I don't know, kicked back, you know, to the back. Let's see here. Okay, so so many people complained in the back that Sonya Deville made a triple threat match. And that triple threat match included Roman Reigns, Big E, and of course, Mr. Quote-Unquote Main Event, Bobby Lashley. And and then there's Baszler versus Nia Jax. Baszler actually showcased herself that she was in NXT. By basically pulling the I'm going to stomp your elbow in a weird position gimmick. And I thoroughly enjoyed seeing that. So Shayna Baszler ended up beating Nia Jackson, beat her up pretty bad after the match. Alright, so then after that, we see a women's tag team championship match, Natalia and Tamina versus the almost superhero Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. And the winners of that match was Rhea Ripley. And the almost superhero, Nikki Ash. Rhea Ripley hit a riptide on Tamina on the apron. And Nikki Ash inside cradle. One, two, three. New women's tag team champions again. Yay. Let's see. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. I think it was cool to hit a riptide on the apron. 
And then Nikki Ash was surprised with, oh, so this was one of my favorite segments of the entire night, the uh, Alexa Bliss's playground with Charlotte Flair. One of my, you know, okay, one line from the entire segment. Well, even a narcissistic bitch like you could every once in a while enjoy something that was given to her, you know, by a certain someone. They ended up talking for a bit, and then Alexa Bliss, DDT, Charlotte Flair exits the ring all pissed off. whoop de doo um, Let's see. Okay, so then it goes to fast forward into a recap of the six-man tag match earlier that night. Kind of a, it was a very good back and forth match. I mean, Roman Reigns does bring some kind of draw or higher appeal to an audience. Okay, but let's see here. Lashley tried to bring a chair in the ring. Roman Reigns basically speared him, and then Bloodline gets the win. One, two, three. That was Raw. NXT. Holy cow. I thought it was going to be from the very get go, this folks. I thought it was going to be packed the mic because Ciampa came out to the ring and then you see the guys from the NXT breakout tournament so you see Briggs Jensen, Carmelo Hayes was out there, Joe Gacy was out there um, Ciampa basically said it feels good to be at the top of the mountain again and I know I'm going to have to fight each and every single one of you. Here comes Cameron Grimes, then comes LA Knight, then comes Pete Dunne and then after Pete Dunne grabs the microphone thank God no one else talked there was a brawl that happened in the ring, and then it left Rick Broner and Tommaso Ciampa beating the ever-living crap out of uh, Pete Dunne and <clears throat> Ridge Holland. At the end of that brawl, Rick Broner says, you guys would quit being, you know, if you grew a pair of balls or set of balls and stop being bitches, then you can come in this ring and face me and Ciampa. I thought it was great to hear words like that on NXT. Thank God. Thank God. The PG label slowly but surely fading into obscurity. Slowly, I said slowly, folks. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, past that brawl, then there was a brawl in the back with females, Amari Miller and Kaylee Ray. I couldn't make out the other two, but I know that NXT started off with brawl. It was great. Um, let's see here, Cameron Grimes versus Joe Gacy, who's like kind of like got a Simon Dean gimmick, which is hilarious. I believe we can create peace in this ring, and this is a safe place. Had no wrestler or any manager or any referee ever. And Cameron Grimes ended up getting the cave-in and the victory for that match. Also, there's a cruiserweight. Okay, so Roderick. Wait, wait, wait. Little, little, uh, little, little, little follow-up on that Joe Gacy character. Um, WWE edited out that character and edited out all the things that he said, and I guess they're trying to not acknowledge him. I don't know what they're going with with that, but, yeah, he was edited from the uh, taped NXT, so I'm interested to find out what happens with Joe Gacy, the former CZW heavyweight champion. Oh. You know, he kind (laughs) of... He was, uh, just looks-wise, I know people are going to tell me, well, just because he has a beard, I'm like, no. I kind of see a look of Kevin Owens, but not really. I mean, they're both pudgy, and they're both athletic, and they're both surprising. <laughs> like, they're, they're contrast to one another because they're both, one's extremely 
extremely manic. The other one is kind of psychopathic, if you will. And that's just my take on him. I don't know his background entirely. You know better. You know him better than me, dude. So, um, let let's see here. Uh, okay. So Roderick Strong versus Kushida. Roderick Strong ended up getting a lot of help from Diamond Mine. They ran a lot of shit ton of interference from the Creed Brothers and the New. I'm sorry, I don't know. I I'm really sorry. I didn't have time to write your name down because I couldn't pronounce it, nor could I spell it. But she interfered, and that ended up costing Kushida the title. Kushida loses the championship. But then um, Grayson Waller came out and challenged uh, Roderick Strong said, I know that this is NXT, the new NXT from what I've experienced, what Drake Maverick happened to Drake Maverick. This is a jungle. So I challenge you to a championship match, and then you pause for the next week. So then Malcolm Bivens had some say, blah, da, da. This next week, there will be a match between Roderick Strong and Grayson Waller for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Um, let's see here. Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs were seen at a bar, and the bar scene was very cheesy, very, uh, very APA-like, but the promo that they did was I like to fight, and if a guy can throw hands where I'm from, eventually gains respect. I'm like, okay, all right. If this is Smoking Guns 2.0, not interested, but it, you know, whatever. That that's just my take on them. Um, they're big dudes. They look like they're brawlers, and that's that. Amari Miller versus Kaylee Ray. Amari Miller did better in this match um, than she did with Gigi Dolan, so. Good job. Um, Kaylee Ray ended up ultimately getting the victory. It was a short match. Um, let's see here. Joe Gacy came out and sat in a chair and promoted about, I'm not going to use my privilege. I think I'm going, I believe I'm going to create peace and understanding. And it's like, okay then. And it's not, you know, promoting an infomercial, but it was kind of, I thought it was funny. Wade Barrett said, I've had my nose broken several times that I, you know, I I digress. He went one-on-one with Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes hits the cave-in, one, two, three, not right away. But, I mean, Joe Gacy showcased some athletic moves during the match. And, you know, back handspring elbow. Um, You know, he was very innovative on offense during this match. And I thought it was fairly decent. Um then there's a recap of Index's wedding. It still cracks me up. Uh, let's see here. Raquel Gonzalez and Frankie Monet will face each other next week for the NXT Women's Championship. There's also some, a lot of new faces, folks, being introduced to NXT. I forget what her name was. But then Mandy Rose did a promo. And then after that promo was the main event, which was the tag team champ Or not tag champion. But it was a tag team match between... Tommaso Ciampa and his partner Rick Broner versus Ridge Holland and Pete Dunn. So that match took place, folks. And isn't it, wait a minute, isn't his name Braun Breaker? Braun Breaker, sorry. Oh my God, I am so, folks. My apologies. I am bad with names. Oh my God, I feel so embarrassed right now. Um. 
Anyway, so moving forward, there's a lot of not high octane offense, but Tommaso Ciampa, I God love the man. The entire match was very back and forth between both Pete Dunn and Ciampa and Ridge Holland and Ron Breaker. There, got his name correct. Ron Breaker absolutely manhandled Ridge Holland, which has not been done in NXT thus far. And yes, the match had very good features to it. The heels dominated a little bit, then the baby faces made their comebacks, and then Blada, you know. It was good. It was a lot of back and forth. And ultimately at the end, Tommaso, Ch- uh, not Tommaso Ciampa, Ron Breaker with the victory. One, two, three. I will get finishes and stuff all in good time, folks. But that was NXT 2.0 for this week. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, I thought it was going to be bored to tears, but a brawl to beginning, a back-and-forth tag match, and, and, you know, he's not by any far stretch and means this, this supposed quote-unquote rookie, Ron Breaker. Wow. Very good job, and they actually, folks, I did miss something. Vaughn Wagner had a promo because he is the one that saved Kyle O'Reilly, and I believe he will be in action next week on NXT 2.0. And on to SmackDown. Let's see, folks. I don't need music for that. I do not. So, (laughs) as I flip through right here... Where are you? Okay. Aha. Here we are. WWE SmackDown Live from Philly. Becky Lynch started off with a promo. Okay. And she recalled what happened to Bianca Belair and said, you know, I'm not all one for homecoming, but, you know, she knew what she was getting herself into, blah, blah, blah. Bianca Belair comes out. Becky slaps Bianca. <clears throat> Bianca then proceeds to, you know, just go back and forth brawling with Becky, and this time, KOD. And uh, Bianca's music hits, and Becky goes to the back with her tail tucked between her legs, or just really pissed off. Then you have a recap of the Intercontinental Championship, or Intercontinental match uh, with uh, Shinsuke and Apollo Crews, and also the attack on Shinsuke after his match from last week. And then, let's see here, then there's a recap of Roman Reigns on Raw, and then it showed Lashley interfering twice. Okay, and again, folks, let's see here, there's a lot of backstage interviews and a lot of backstage segments on SmackDown. So it showed Montez Ford, his interview, and talked about the tag team championships match against the Usos at Extreme Rules. And then backstage you see Roman with Paul Heyman because he heard what Montez Ford had said. He said that basically Roman made his own cousins his bitches. Um, so then Roman demanded Paul to Paul to go to Sonya Adams saying there should be a match between Roman and Montez Ford for the main event. Which ended up happening, by the way. Um, let's see. Seth Rollins recalled what happened with his match between Edge and said, I need to move on. But I also need to finish what I started. And I'll do so in front of your ugly kids and your ugly wife. and Or I'm going to beat you in front of your 
ugly wife and your ugly kids, and I need an answer whether you accept my challenge or not. Well, later on that night, folks, that challenge was answered because Edge did say, I will see you next Friday. So there's that. Not at Extreme Rules, but you know. Um, oh, yes. Happy Corbin. God, I hate this character. And I don't mean I hate him because he's a bad guy. I hate this character in general. It's just Baron Corbin rebooted. And Kevin Owens got attacked again. Big surprise there, right? All right. So... <laughs> Let's see here. Montez Ford was interviewed again after he got attacked. Let's see here. Liv Morgan and Zelina Vega didn't really fucking care for that match. Sorry. Skip. Zelina Vega ends up winning. Who cares? Um, the almost superhero Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley again against Natalia and Tamina. Again. Almost superhero Nikki Ash and... Rhea Ripley ended up retaining their women's tag team championships. Um, that match didn't show much interest in the Philly crowd at all. <sighs> Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte Flair was promoed. And then the draft kept being promo, which I completely forgot about that. So, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox came out. And basically... Got that nerf, nerf dart or whatever at Rhea Ripley and Nikki. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, Dominic Mysterio and Ray were seen in the back talking to one another. And Dominic said, I need some space. And Ray said, you need to get your head right. Eh, who cares? Sami Zayn, though, stepped in and said, you know, I just want to point out you did a great job and I made you better. So if you drop your father, you'll end up doing better. So I completely agree. In losing Rey Mysterio, I don't know what will happen to Dominic, but, you know, oh, yes, Naomi came out again. I don't know if they're building for a match between her and Sonya. Sonya said that she's not a competitor anymore. She had her escorted by security after Naomi had demanded a match. It's whatever, folks. I mean, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with that. And then Becky Lynch, for some reason, no interview, nothing, just promoing backstage. After that, Montez Ford was uh, faced Roman Reigns, ended up losing. And after the match, he got beat the shit out of. And then here comes Demon King to save the day. And that was the end of SmackDown. Friday Night SmackDown, folks. <sighs> but now, we're going to switch which gears. did not... Which did not sound like a good go-home show for a filler pay-per-view Extreme Rules that is coming up this Sunday. On Peacock, folks. It costs $5 if you don't have premium. And if you want to, I mean, if you want, like, it's way cheaper than the network used to be. So, um, speaking of Extreme Rules, my friend, we got some matches to go over and make a bit of a prediction on each match. So okay, let's uh, get down into it. First up, uh, we got Liv Morgan and Carmella. <clears throat> Personally, I think this is just going to be Liv uh, picking up the win here because 
who cares? They got really nothing else going on so for either of the two. So, so uh, yeah, Liv is going to pick this up, and really it's not going to do anything for her. Yeah, I agree. Because unless it was for a championship match in the future, I also agree that Liv Morgan will win this match, and it's not really going to do anything for her. Yeah, bro. Um, not much going on there with those two. Those those two uh, feel like they're perpetually stuck in the middle to, to the bottom of the roster, and I'm actually surprised Liv Morgan didn't get dropped with Ruby Soho. And uh, next up, um, um, Usos versus Street Profits in a tag title match. I definitely see Usos just retaining here. Uh, I think the uh, Street Profits is. Uh, I think their. I think their kind of time to shine is kind of uh, is past, and it's about the Usos. It's about the Usos again in the Bloodline gimmick, and this is going to be just filler with the Usos picking up a win. Yeah, I see them on the kickoff show again. I hate to say it because. Yes, the Street Profits are promote heavy, but I, I agree with my partner on this one because, like, if you seriously think that they're going to be title changes, it's just like Night of Champions in this one. My opinion is it's going to be great back and forth, but the Usos are going to find a dirty way to win. So, Yeah, this, um, this, this is only a... There's only six matches listed for this paper for this pay per view, so I definitely see this as being less than three hours. And after going over these matches, I'm glad. Um, next, we got um, Alexa Bliss taking on Charlotte Flair for the women's championship. I see Flair retaining this one, and it's gonna have a whole bunch of spooky bullshit, and probably you know some ring lights might fall on. Charlotte or maybe some uh, stuff might spark up or something because Alexa Bliss has, you know, supernatural powers, but I don't see this being anything more than just kind of a comedy match. I, (laughs) yeah, comedy match is the correct phrase for it because I, I just laughed. I lost my shit when Alexa said, what you know, most fans have been saying. What would Charlotte Flair be without the title? Clue, folks. Charlotte Flair always retains at minor pay-per-views, and she, I like I said, I don't know who is going to challenge her in the future, but in this match, yes, Charlotte Flair will retain. We're not going to see anything so technical because Alexa Bliss, like he uh-huh. says, natural powers. So it's like, hmm. Whatever, Charlotte's mm-hmm. gonna retain. Maybe a uh, Charlotte Flair might get possessed or something. I would think that would be pretty funny. I like that uh, she uh, Alexa possessed Zelina Vega at the Money in the Bank pay per view. <laughs> so maybe maybe we might get that here. Um, let's see. Next up for the U.S. Championship, Damian Priest taking on Jeff Hardy, taking on Sheamus. Um, this is probably just going to be Damian Priest retaining the title. There's really no reason to move the belt on to Sheamus, and with the way WWE has been handling Jeff Hardy, they're definitely not going to put the U.S. championship on him. 
I think they should just let that man go off to AEW and just be be over there because um, everybody's over there and he would just be treated like a super god and Jeff Hardy would be a great addition for AEW because he's really just kind of lost in the shuffle and WWE is doing no, no, no nothing with him and not doing him any favors by just just casting him off and letting him drift. I completely 100% agree. And that's because ever since Matt left, what are you going to have for him? He's a tag team. He's going to be a solo worker just like his brother, but honestly, the Hardys are much better as a pair. And in a triple threat match, really, uh, Jesus, WWE loves threesomes, and that includes matches, so... This U.S. Championship match, yes, Damian Priest will retain, and uh, Sheamus will put up a good fight. Jeff Hardy will have a couple ooh moments, but in the end, folks, Damian Priest ends up victorious. Yep, and uh, next we got Becky Lynch taking taking on Bianca Belair, and uh, as much as I like as much as I like Bianca. This is definitely going to be Becky Lynch retaining, and yeah, Becky Lynch is going to retain this title, but at least we'll get the full match that we should have got out of Becky Lynch at SummerSlam, so Becky Lynch is going to retain here. Uh, yes, it's like it's sad to say, folks. I mean, I really hate saying, you know, it's like, oh, it's a, but it's WWE, so what? what can you expect? Everything, everything yeah. in the lineup is predictable. And Bianca Belair, you know, she'll put up a fight, but Becky will find a way to cheat or get counted out, and fans are going to boo the shit out of this. But, what, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, bro, I don't really see much out of that. Um, and in the main event, the only extreme match on the show, the extreme rules, um, match for the Universal Championship Roman Reigns versus the Demon King Finn Balor I think this will be it'll be cool it'll have some spots you know do some stuff but it'll be your normal WWE style brawl but I definitely see Roman Reigns hitting the spear and pinning the Demon King and I do believe that'll be the Demon King's the Demon King's first loss in WWE, I could be mistaken there. And if that's true, I don't think it's a good idea to feed the, um, the like, undefeated, like, this awesome, this awesome other side to Finn. I don't think it'd be good to feed to Roman because once that, once that side loses, it kind of loses its mystique. And, Finn, the Demon King won't be as cool anymore. Yeah, I mean, they did that shit with the... Okay, the Undertaker's mystique still exists, but I'm going to use this comparison. When you blemish somebody's record, whether it's undefeated or not, and this the aura and mystique of Demon King, I remember watching him in NXT, and I remember watching him live in Brooklyn at the uh, the Barclay Center. Dude, the entrance alone... And the mystique and the aura about this character. You feed him to Roman, he's going to have the same problem. And my partner and I discussed this. He's going to have the same problem as John Cena. Who Who is going to take down Roman? 
Who, who do we know? Hmm? Outside of the rumors circulating around that The Rock is going to appear and all this shit. But before all that, um, to bring it back home, I don't like the fact that they're going to do this to Finn, but it's inevitable because they're like, well, we're going to make him, we're going to make him steamroll through a bunch of guys. Yikes. I hope you guys learn, but it's too late. Yeah, bro. That's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's your extreme rules prediction. That's your, that's your, um, that's your filler pay-per-view to pretty much get us to get us from SummerSlam to, Survivor Series. God, I I I'm shuddering the fact that, dude, the extreme rules in all honesty, folks, it's not extreme. Okay, they're extreme (laughs) extreme rules in the main event. No, there should be like a cage match or kendo stick. You know, come on, Carmella and and uh, Liv Morgan at least add something. But no, we're stuck with regular matches. Enhanced on a personally, personally, I think this show should have just been called like this. This this reminds me of like Clash of Champions, like something that WCW would do and just give away for free on TBS. Um, I don't know. I'm not really just. I'm not too. Uh, not too too interested in it. I'll I'll uh, check in. I'll check in with WWE around Survivor Series, which is always a fun time because I like those Survivor Series four-on-four matches. And I think the sad part is they do the same shit every year. It gets interesting right before Mania season because why? Survivor Series is usually the precursor to the Rumble. The Rumble is precursor to Mania. So, like, Extreme Rules is like that pay-per-view that she, now all of us are like, oy. The last time it was the quote-unquote extreme was when Moxley was Ambrose and it was the Shield versus the corporate, uh, the authority or whatever, and Kane got buried in all those chairs and all that shit. I'm just telling you all, it, it just, it makes me upset because I grew up watching shit like ECW or old, you know, old school NWA and even like the the war games in WCW. So it's just like it it irritates the everlasting fucking piss out of me that I have to and and pizza has to and every fan has to go extreme rules. What's so fucking extreme about it? Yeah, this this is gonna be pretty. It's gonna be a miss. I I uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to watch that show. I mean, if I do, it's because I need something to sleep to. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, I'm good on that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good on we that, bro. Honestly, on the fucking show, and it's late, folks. But anyways, we got to – let's see here. We can move Ooh. on to AEW if you like. Yes, let's talk AEW after their, um, yeah, dude, they had a gigantic show this uh, Wednesday and Friday. They they uh, they uh, put a whole bunch of butts in the seats in the uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, and I'm, 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 AEW's making noise, man. 
they fucking put a lot of people in this fucking stadium and they're kind of they're kind of getting it and starting to capitalize on the momentum they have and this show was top notch and this could have been given away for this could have been given as a pay-per-view um, first ma- go ahead, go ahead well like from first match to end like on rampage i was like wow i <laughs> To do a dragon whatever suplex on Brian Danielson on the ramp, I was like, holy shit! This yeah, is- dude. Yeah. Um, I really felt like uh, I really felt like AEW made that same mistake that they always do, where they should have put the main event. They always put the main event in the first match, and I think the main event kind of doesn't live up to, to that first match. Because the the uh, American Dragon Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega match was absolutely, absolutely, absolutely fantastic, and I really think like this really picked up towards the end and just got better and better and better, and it was great to see uh, it, it was great to see American Dragon and um, Kenny Omega probably had his best match in AEW this year, I feel, and the um, I like the 30-minute time limit draw because this keeps the title. This keeps the title on Kenny, and this keeps people talking. This got people talking, and this got people excited for a, a potential main event or a potential um, rematch down the road. I do feel that Adam Page is going to take is is going to be the man to take the championship from Kenny Omega. But this was this was great. Oh, dude, I mean, the match from start to finish, I, I just was like, wow. It just had so many, like, it started off with, you know, Kenny Omega, who's a genius when it comes to working the crowd. He just knew what would pull him, you know, New York is so amped to begin with. They were just, I mean, from the, from the very first start of the show, dude, I was... I was like, okay, I'll give this a chance because, you know, you told me to watch AEW, so I did. And uh, let's see here. Okay, maybe that's not Rampage. Let's see here. Uh, Uh, Next up, yeah, next up we got a CM Punk promo, and uh, this was a mad CM Punk promo, which I'm glad to see because um, I, I enjoy CM Punk, you know, shaking hands and, kissing fans and, you know, jumping in the crowds and stuff like that. But I think he, he's, uh, he's, uh, way, 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 way better when he's focused and he has an enemy to focus his hatred on. And, uh, uh, Hobbs is a perfect, 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 perfect next opponent for CM Punk. Right, what do you think of this promo? I believe, you know, I like, you know, what he said and what he was trying to convey to the audience. Like, I am, you know, this nice guy, but I'm not so nice when you piss me off. It's basic. It's not bland. It's not generic. It's basically CM Punk as himself. And what he said, Hobbs is a good person for him because he's like the unattainable dude that you don't think could beat, uh, CM Punk could beat because he's bigger than Punk. And the dude literally looks like a revamped version of Stevie Ray from Harlem Heat. I mean, 
It's like I was so thinking weird. Ice Train. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm trying to think, but he's huge. The dude is fucking huge. Yeah, man. I really like, uh, I really like Powerhouse Hobbs. Next up, we got MJF taking on Brian Pillman Jr. And, um, I like, did you see this was going around? MJF's parents, um, he, they attended, they attended the show this week and they, they said, uh, they had signs that said, uh, we're MJF's parents and even we don't fucking like him. So that's pretty fucking awesome. This was a, this was a great match. And this was, you know, we got, it was great to see Pillman Jr. being showcased on the big stage, but this is definitely something where for sure MJF was going to pick up the win. Well, I mean, at the end, it was kind of funny when he, Kind of gave the oogly ogly to um, Brian Pillman's uh, cheerleader, and I was just Julia like, Hart, yes, yeah. So I thought it was great. I'm like, wow, he's the ultimate ass, which is the job of a fucking bad guy. So, you know, kudos to MJF and great job Brian Pillman. You know, just playing along and just doing his job, and I think they both did a fantastic job, man, during the match. You know. At Brian Pullman, he, you know, he countered MJF at the beginning, and then uh, at the end, MJF finally outsmarted Pullman, and it was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, MJ picked, MJF picked up the win when he reversed when he reversed the flying the flying springboard clothesline into the Fujiwara armbar, aka the salt of the earth. Next up, we got a re- we got the return of Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes and. Uh, whole bunch of boos for Cody and Brandy. I'm assuming those part of those boos is because nobody wants to fucking see Brandy Rhodes anymore and and I would boo if I got if, if I had to get this if I had to see this chick again because get the fuck off my T V. Nobody fucking likes you. And uh Malachi Black is just cool man and uh this was good. This was a fine brawl and uh, really not really not too much fancy here. Um, Cody picks up the win after a um, after a roll up. I mean, not Cody, but Malachi picks up the win after a roll up. What you think? I thought it was hilarious when she tried to come in the ring and just, like centers the attention. It's like, please go away. <laughs> I don't like. I'm sorry. I have not been keeping up with AEW, but I've been hearing bad things about Brandy. How much a dork Cody is. I mean, yes, we love, I love nerdy shit, but my God. Like, Cody, it's just like, can your hair get any more bleach? And Brandy, dear Lord, dear. um, (laughs) Can you say power trip a a little too much? I mean, you are, after all, considering that Cody is involved in other facets of AEW, but I thought it was a good match. Um, I'm not surprised that they booed Cody. I'm really not. I mean, he's been there. They went from cheering him to in Madison Square Garden to booing the ever living hell out of him at Arthur Ashe. And I can tell you why. Uh, it's because, uh, well, like you said, Brandy's kind of the problem. And it's also because you see previews every other freaking commercial of them 
like trying to portray the role of business owner and booker and promoter. It's like, come on, you guys. I thought it was a good match, but Malachi Black was super cool and super chill about the whole thing. And just overall, great match. Good psychology, good flow. I liked it. Sure. Um, we got FTR taking on Darby and Sting. And uh, I was looking forward to this because I know FTR would be big, are big fans of Sting and big fans of the old time, the old, you know, of the um, old timey, the old timers like Sting and Ric Flair and whatnot. So, and they would definitely be, they would definitely help Sting get to a good match and take care of him in the ring. Um, Sting, uh, Sting picked up the win. Sting picked up the win with the Scorpion Deathlock. That was a good match. Indeed it was. In the main event, which I thought should have been the first match, Britt Baker took on Ruby Soho. I kind of felt that maybe it was a little bit too soon to have Ruby... um, have Ruby challenging for the title. I think it would have been maybe a little bit better to maybe have Thunder Rosa here because those two, uh, Thunder and Britt, have a good um, – Thunder and Rosa have a good history together, and I wouldn't have mind seeing her lock it up again with Rosa. Britt picks up the, Britt picks up the win after Ruby taps out to the lockjaw. Personally, I um, I thought the match was fine. I just thought it should have been first and not the main event because I think I think it would have just been great to send the people home happy and like really just pumped up and charged up after that fantastic Brian Danielson Kenny Omega match. I thought okay, so when I don't know what the whole. Well, yeah, I kind of do now. But when Britt Baker basically had an ensemble outside, like, uh, you know, her cronies or whatever, I'm just like, okay, I know how, you know, Ruby's going to eventually get caught in the act of I'm going to get distracted by one or two of these people. The lockjaw with the whole glove going on, I'm like, I'm sorry. Her finish kind of irks me because that's very Mick Foley. And, um, yeah, she got the win, but I'm just like, okay, maybe this is, just to set up for a future match down the road between Ruby and Britt. And I also thought it was a good pace match. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with how the finish happened, but whatever. Onward to Rampage. Onward to Rampage, and it just kicked off with Punk and Hobbs. This put this kicked off with punks. This kicked off with punks and punk and Hobbs, and uh, this was CM Punk's first match on TV in a very long time. And I really am kind of feeling like I've seen CM Punk way, 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 way too much. It's been every AEW show, but right on. He uh, he was taking on C- uh, powerhouse Will Hobbs, and uh, Punk looked good here. He sold for Hobbs really well, and he made. He made uh, the young upstart look very, very good, and he ended up picking up the win with a GTS. I thought, yeah, like I 
So, beginning of this match, you know, Hobbs was dominating Punk the entire time. And it was, uh, it was very cool because Punk got some offense in. And then there were moments like the reverse Rana off the top that I was like, wow. It looked like a power bomb what Punk has got. And then he just paused for a minute and then boom, Rana off the top rope. And I was like, holy shit. Not only was that a Rana, folks, that was a reverse Rana because it looked like a fucking power bomb. Not only that, but, like, when he hit the GTS, that was because somebody got up on the apron, distracted Hobbs long enough, and Punk took advantage of the miscue, and then one, two, three. Yep. And next up, we got Bucks and Cole taking on Jurassic Express and Christian. I can already tell you that this was a whole bunch of flippy stuff and then a a bunch of no tags. And the super click picks up the win after a uh, BTE trigger. And then a, I think it's called the boom now, I think, or the bang or whatever it is called. So Adam Cole pins Luchasaurus. Anything to add there? I agree. There was a lot of flippy, flippy shit. There was a lot of crap going on uh, during that match. I mean, there's so much. Like, they had great... The Jungle Boy, <laughs> holy crap, you want to talk athleticism? This dude can just move, like, the best of them. And, um, and you know, there's some tidbit moments where you think they're going to get the victory, and then it gets left away. Very good match. Adam Cole at the Panama Sunrise, and then he hits... Uh, it's not the... Um, kill shot anymore. It's called, like you said, it's called the boom. It still gets the same reactions that he did anywhere, including Ring of Honor NXT, Adam Cole did. And anyways, I digress. I thought it was a really good match. Um, just too much shit going on at certain points. Um, Adam Cole ends up winning. I'm not shocked. The Young Bucks end up in him winning and they end up, you know, trying to I say I didn't overcompensate. I thought it was done well, but like I said, there were points of that match that I thought there was way too much going on. I have like ADHD, so it's hard for me to like focus. Yeah, I could tell. Men of the Year versus Jericho and Jake Hager. Sky pins. Uh, Sky pins Hager with a roll-up, and after the match, uh, America's top team, a whole bunch of fucking MMA guys beat the shit out of Jericho and Jake Hader, Hager and uh, Jorge Mandoval, um dropped fucking Chris Jericho with the fucking flying knee. Um, honestly, I really like that because I don't really like Chris Jericho that much, and Seeing him get his fucking ass kicked was kind of sweet. Oh, by all those uh, people that ran Del Santos and all the... Yes, the guys from America's top team. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like, wow. uh, (laughs) I mean, that was pretty interesting after the match. I mean, after they lost, who was Ethan Page and... um, Scorpio Sky, yes, the men men of the year. Yeah, that was pretty interesting, folks. I mean, it was just like running and like, oh, that's Del Santos. Cool beans, man. Mm-hmm. 
Anna J uh Anna J versus Penelope Ford was next up. Anna J from the Dark Order. The Dark Order continue to have their problems amongst themselves. Um Penelope Ford picks up the win after she hits Anna J with the brass knuckles and in the main event Suzuki Goon, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer take on John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, of course, in this lights out match, which was essentially a, a big fucking street fight. There was a big brawl everywhere, and um, there was a whole bunch of ass kicking and New York legend homicide. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's actually working for AEW now or just making an appearance because currently Homicide has been working for Ring of Honor, so I don't know his contract his contract status there, but he made he uh, made an appearance for AEW and Eddie Kingston picks up the win after a bunch of brawling and ass kicking and uh. It was nice to see Eddie Kingston getting the big win in the in his hometown. Yeah, I thought the funniest part was when he put the trash can over Lance's face and beat the ever-living crap out of him with the kendo stick. I was like, um, I don't like. I said there's certain there's certain flavors for me during hardcore matches, and this one was definitely wow. Moxley, you know, had his hands duct taped or whatever, and um, when they beat the ever-living shit out of him with a kendo stick, and he just sat there going, come on, hit me, come on, hit me, I'm not surprised at all, but the trash can is like, I don't know how you could hit any harder, and Eddie Kingston got the biggest standing ovation, he took the can up, one, two, three, (laughs) it kind of made me laugh, like, uh, well... Is good for what it was, and lights out match basically. I mean, I was expecting a lot more, but I, I wasn't disappointed. I go, well, it had tables getting destroyed, it had chairs, it had kendo sticks, it had a, a special appearance by Homicide, which that shocked the hell out of me. I, I thought, wait a minute. I thought he was under contract with Ring of Honor. I don't know if AEW. Well, AEW allows. Uh, their wrestlers to compete wherever, you know, as long as it's uh, approved by whomever's in charge. So, I, like I said, it was a surprise to see him. Uh huh. Especially since yes, they were. Yes, it was. They're like, oh, it shows homicide on the ramp. It shows homicide on the time. Like, uh. It's kind of weird having Taz and, and Stark as the announcers. They're just like all so go ho when like uh, Sammy Guevara and uh, what's his name? Fuego Del Sol got thrown off the stage or whatever, and they're all jumping and jiving. I'm like, well, we've had two uh, heel commentators before, but it was just kind of odd. As it kind of Taz kind of bounced it out a little bit, and then Starks would, you know, add in, but that's just my two cents. There you have it. There is your AEW Rampage and Dynamite reviews, and I believe there's nothing going on, no pay-per-views on the lineup 
for them for the minute. They have nothing announced. So that was a good, uh, good big show to keep uh, to keep that momentum going, which I really, really, really like. And um, I uh, saw some of the stuff for next week's Dynamite, and um, I'm not too interested. I don't know. I I'm not interested in Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. They gotta get they gotta they gotta get a, get these guys off to get these guys away from each other because some of these uh some of these mid card matches are just kind of duds because it's it's I feel like AEW is one step forward two steps back because man who the fuck wants to watch Jack Evans man <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say like I don't know why Matt Hardy said we're gonna have a hair versus hair match I was like. Are they playing it up or like what's the deal? Because like, I don't, I honestly have no clue. I haven't seen Jack Evans' work, but I've heard mixed reviews. So I'm being honest, folks. Like, I've watched Orange Cassidy stuff, and I've also. <laughs> We're going to reach that point in the show over the uh, time being about Off the Rails and Censors. This is a trademark podcast, March 7, 2016. Um, let's see. If you have minors under the age of 18, I suggest that you don't let them listen to my shit. Why? Because I don't want to hear the complaints of, this guy drops more F-bombs than D-Day. Or, I didn't like his opinion. I got butt hurt. Uh, well, they won't say that. They won't ever say that. But you know what I mean. So this is the point in the show where opinions and reflections are are not actual, you know, opinions and reflections of the companies thereof: WWE, APJW, MPJW, AEW, Ring of Honor, NWA, so on and so forth. Any reproduction or license thereof of the title off the rails and censored is punishable and prosecuted by the court system of law. Uh, anyways, enough of the formalities, folks. Let's get into this shit right now. Marshall, uh, could you please hit my music, if you would, please? All right, thank you. Look in my eyes, what do you see? The Okay, so right now, I'm going to discuss with you all what's been going on, you know, the whole Dark Side of the Ring, you know, not shenanigans, but what was said about Chris Canyon is not, in my opinion, because the man was gay, no, because he was blaming wrestling for his shortcomings, no. Ric Flair and John Cena basically have been put on blast for what was said about a wrestler who's passed away, Canyon, a guy that 
really isn't well known by certain fans, but to Pizza Sense and myself, we knew him from when he was Mortis in WCW. Um, there's some interesting backstory to him. He trained with Fabulous Moolah, and that was thanks to his manager at the time who managed him. Uh, Father James, whatever, you know, has done in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He's also in Impact Wrestling currently. The point is, there's some steep controversy concerning what John Cena had said in regards to why Canyon would not be a fit if he was to come back into pro wrestling. And I just want to point out, folks, that that to me, in my opinion, in response to this whole incident, there are people literally saying, you know, this wrestler should retire. He's not very good or she's not, she sucks. I don't take the social media anymore to say that I have a show now. I have a platform to say I don't like this person. You know, I really don't like their style of wrestling. Um, they wouldn't be a good fit. I, who am I to fucking judge? I can't do Look, when people say certain things about other talent, they're giving their honest opinion on what they think is a good fit or not a good fit. What he said about Chris Canyon was, I don't think he's a good fit. And then other people have gone on to say that fits the narrative of WWE and, and the style of what he said it in. Ric Flair said, I agree with John, and I can't believe, you know, I've known you for years, and you can't blame, it's just what you're blaming your shortcomings on the wrestling business. Like, dude, they told the guy to get out of the box and sing Boy George's song, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? And I think that fucking hurt him in a sense that contributed to his more insecurity and shit. But, like, to be on the Howard Stern show and then Ric Flair calls in and says, well, you know, I'm very disappointed in you. I don't know if Rick was trying to do that to motivate or he was just being his own self. I can't, I can't tell you what was going through Rick's mind. I don't intend to. But what I'm going to tell you is there are people that are saying on social media, let me just read the tweet because <clears throat> this is what was said according to the one site called Ringside. Okay, this is the exact words, okay? Canyon trended on social media as fans discussed his life story. John Cena was also dragged into the conversation because he said on Howard Stern that Canyon wasn't any good. Okay. You know, if I say I don't like this candy bar because, you know, pizza, pizza absolutely loves Kit Kat, for example. You know what? You know, this candy bar is this, this, and this. And blah, blah, blah. And he gives points. He's like, okay, he may not like it, but – and then I start slamming him like, you know, you're a horrible human. You can't like the candy bar. You know, you're not any good. You know, you you, you suck, whatever. I believe when someone says someone's – terrible at something, they're being honest, whether you like it or not. You can't really fault someone for saying, well, this person was terrible. Like on American Idol, for example, if Katy Perry or Lionel Richie or the judges say, I really think you did better last week, but this week you just weren't that great, they're giving their honest opinion. Everyone, 
fails to somebody some, or somebody or something that that somebody did or said, trying to cancel John Cena. Okay, no. Ric Flair is in deep shit because he's been in deep shit from the beginning of his career. Like, how much more controversy can we dig up from Flair is the thing. And what he said to Canyon, I don't know how anybody else would take it, but if you had just gotten fired from a company that you, you know, thought you were going to do well or have some form of success, and you're trying to enjoy the rest of your life and, and, and have some recreation, and then someone comes on a show that you normally frequent and says, well, I can't believe uh, you would – I've known you for years, and I'm very disappointed that you would blame your shortcomings on professional wrestling. Like, no, dude. That, to me, is wrong versus what was said you know, by John Cena. It says uh, – Many fans took exception to those comments from Cena as he obviously fell in line with WWE's narrative. Okay. Says, uh, fans are upset with John Cena and some are calling for him to be quote-unquote canceled. As you can see from the graphic below, Cena's name was trending right alongside Chris Canyon's name, even though Canyon was the actual star of the episode. (laughs) Yes, when you have... When you have names like John Cena pop up, and it doesn't matter if it's Dark Side of the Ring or a talk show, his name's going to fucking trend no matter where you put him on. So it says, uh, some fans canceled on Cena over the comments he made about Canyon. Others are coming to Cena's defense. Either way, it still caused his name to rocket up the trending list on Twitter as fans wage this de- uh, debate. Says, uh, so correct me if I'm mistaken, one tweet by Aleister Black. It said, um, here. okay, so correct me if I'm mistaken, but John Cena is getting canceled for saying someone isn't good at wrestling? Please tell me how that's cancel-worthy when y'all call wrestlers mid-24-7. Should y'all be canceled too? Man has a point. I mean, I'm very critical of a lot of people. I don't have any room to fucking talk. But I mean, to say things like we get, you know, we're going to cancel this individual. Like, really, are you going to cancel someone because you don't like them or you don't like what they're about? Just because, okay, if the man was still around, they'd still find fucking something to plug at. Because number one, he's gay. Number two, he got fired. So, is there controversy that's going to stem from that? Sure, because. I'm gay myself, folks, and if someone says, you know, well, we we don't want you around because you're gay, then yes, I'm going to take offense to that. But I'm not going to go to social media and get all in a frenzy because someone says they didn't, you know, think that someone was any good at something. Look, look at all the actors and, and people that came from nothing, and they're all successful. They were probably told, oh, you're no good. Or, you know, please don't try acting ever again. Do you think they're going to fucking quit? No, dude. I mean, it's not okay, look. There are other people also that came because I came back to the TL trying to cancel the GOAT, John Cena. That's another what someone says. And it says, uh, don't worry about that. John Cena is literally one of the nicest people on earth. And y'all trying to, I don't agree with the nicest people on earth, dude. I can attest to that. Um WWE fans shouted, I hope you burn in hell to John Cena at live wrestling shows to his face. And those same fans are the ones trying to cancel him for saying Chris Canyon wasn't good. 
You guys have tagged wrestlers and tweets saying worse than what John did. Sit down. <sighs> okay. For that one, I'm not going to psychoanalyze every fucking tweet, but I can see where they're coming from. Like, there are people that have said worse shit than that. John Cena may be one of the, you know, the far few in between biggest pricks you meet or nicest dudes. It depends on what what version you got of him when you met him. But when someone says something to the magnitude of someone isn't good at something, it's not the end-all, be-all opinion. The opinion that I had, the person that I have an issue with, I'm not really a fan of. I can tell you why. Ric Flair is a great person competitive-wise. 16-time world champion, and he's always going to be known as a legend in the pro wrestling business. But what he said about Canyon, what he said to him when he was at the, on the Howard Stern show, on live air, telling someone, I'm disappointed in you, and you're not even related to him, but you supposedly, quote-unquote, known him for years. Like, really, dude, he didn't blame his shortcomings on wrestling. The man was absolutely – he was – in shambles because he was depressed. He didn't know exactly where he stood. And, uh, you know, he was very insecure and very manic. According to the episode of Dark Side of the Ring, the people who had talked about him said there were incidents where Canyon was absolutely batshit insane. Does that? Did he ever say, "Well, I could have been better," but you know, I blame the wrestling business? No. He never said that, but in his mind, he was back and forth about the whole him getting let go. And the manager, and it was interesting because in Dark Side of the Ring, the manager that used to manage him said, <clears throat> I don't know. I could not tell the narrative whether he was telling the truth or whether he was, you know, telling a lie because he told me, he goes, I think they fired me because of the fact that I came out of the closet, blah, blah, blah. And then he turned around and said, I think it's bullshit, you know, blah, 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 whatever was said during that episode. But to me, bringing this back all together, which one was worse, John Cena or Ric Flair? Because Ric has some pretty rich history of controversy. If you didn't watch Plain Right From Hell, it goes deeper than that. I'm pretty sure that there's more stories to tell about the Nature Boy than leads on, but I don't want to it, – it sucks because I don't want to critique somebody that has paved the way for a lot of guys and gals in this business. But what he said, it, it kind of just takes on the fact that you can't really pass – you know, you can't really give him a pass on this one. More so like Tommy Dreamer tried to give him a pass in the other episode. Like, there's two sides to every fucking story, right? In the episode, it said that Canyon was suffering from severe depression, heightened mania, insecurity, all this shit. And to be told by an individual that's like he looked up to as a child growing up that you are a disappointment or I'm disappointed in you, and I cannot believe you are taking out your shortcomings on the wrestling business. Like, come on, Rick. How many times 
have you said about a love-hate relationship with pro wrestling? Because it is like that. If you got soured on the business and you didn't get accoladed or have Hall of Fame and all this wonderful, you know, all these wonderful things that have been afforded to you, then yeah, it's kind of hard to sit there and, and actually say I, I'm happy, you know, with what I've done in pro wrestling. It works like any job. You can either be satisfied or you can be dissatisfied. And what he was saying was, you know, I. And gay, whatever. It took me a while to come out, and it took it did take him a while because he was one of those that didn't want people knowing what he was about. Because in the wrestling world, you were either known, and this was documented by the Young Bucks or by everyone else, that gay gimmicks were not very portrayed very very well. Because um, let's see here, there's Adrian Adonis, Gold Dust. Um, I think at one point, yeah, Chuck Palumbo and Billy Gunn were, yeah, Billy and Chuck. Um, they weren't portrayed very well in business. But the point I'm trying to say is when people say shit nowadays, it's going to get scrutiny. Because whether you whether you have a point or not, there's always going to be somebody somewhere sitting at their job or, you know, sitting on downtime and listening to every single word you say and hanging by every word you say, and they'll take it completely out of context and say, well, I can't believe John Cena said, you know, Chris Canyon wasn't any good. It's probably because at that time they really didn't have a place for him on the card because after he got hurt, he tried to come back. It just, you know, he got lost in the shuffle. I wouldn't say he wasn't any good. It's just I don't think there was a place for him. And I think what John Cena was trying to say was, where are you going to put a guy that's, you know, at that time, let's see here, there was Batista, Orton, Lashley was still around. You had Edge still around. You had certain guys that were still attached to WWE that were had, you know, big – bigger presences and main event, not main event statuses, but they add a status like the undertaker. Um, Kane was, yeah, Kane was here and there, but to say things like, you know, the words disappointment comes in the same sentence. And then you're not very, you know, I can't believe you did this or you did that. That's like a parent saying to a child, we're very disappointed in you and you should do this instead of that. Like, I don't, I don't know what Rick was trying to accomplish. And that's honestly where I'm confused. Like why would, of all people who, you know, a lot of men and women look up to him despite his shortcomings, despite his personal drama outside of wrestling. Does anybody say to Rick, you know, you've had more wives than you have championships. I mean, how the fuck would you feel, dude, if someone said something that personal to you? Like, it would honestly, it wouldn't, Rick would probably laugh and say, oh, yeah, where'd you come up with that one, you little bitch? Like, that, that instinct in Rick to where he's going to defend and defend and get defensive about certain things and still stay true to his word and say, well, yeah, you know, you know, you said this about Chris Canyon back in 2011 or 2010, whenever it was on the Howard Stern show. You know what Rick would say? Honestly, you'd have to ask him. 
because I, <clears throat> I honestly, I'm at a loss for words when I when I heard I was at a loss for words when I heard him say it on the Howard Stern show. He just called in. He just randomly called in. So what in the fuck does that tell you? Was he trying to motivate Chris? Was he trying to say, hey, you know, I'm saying this to make you better? I don't fucking know. But what what I honestly believe is like who is worse? Hmm. That's not a tough one. That's actually not Captain Obvious. I believe what Ric Flair said was worse than what John Cena said, honestly, because he wasn't any good. Yeah, that's Cena's opinion. Who the fuck cares? John Cena literally wrestled in WWE for almost a grand total of two decades, in and out. He took a break and went to Hollywood, but he still is not, like I said, whether you love him or hate him, someone's going to say about anybody in the wrestling business or any job, period, I don't think this person is that good. Or I think they're great. Or I think they're phenomenal. Or, you know, I think this person, you know, outshined Shawn Michaels. It's going to fucking cause something no matter who is saying it is what I'm getting at, folks. Whenever we have an opinion in professional wrestling, whether it's wrestler or fan, somehow... It gets put under a microscope, and it's looked at. And when it's looked at, it's basically the statement that we as fans or as wrestlers say is going to be put under said microscope. It's going to be good or bad. It doesn't fucking matter. And cancel culture, <clears throat> I really wish would go away because why? We want to cancel out this person. Can't you just tell someone fuck off or... or Boy, uh, you, you may have an opinion, but this is what I think. No, we've come to the conclusion that social media is kind of a a thing, if you will, folks. You know, like when it comes to wars on comment boards or just back and forth, just constant battles. Okay, and that's completely fine. Um, so, essentially, what I'm trying to tell you is. We all have our moments. We all have that one one point in time where we're going to tell each other, okay, cool. I didn't like what you said. But to end you know, someone's career over it and say, I'm canceling you because he wasn't any good. No, John's just, just he was just saying, I didn't like, or I didn't, you know, think that he was that great. Okay, are we going to condemn everyone for saying someone's not good? Like Aleister Black just literally said he should be a mid-carder 24-7. That said a lot amongst fans, amongst peers or whatever. Okay, so what I'm going to tell you all next is it takes a great deal for some people to pick themselves up after someone says something that's horrible like that. At that point, you know, you're what, he was 40 years old, and someone's going to tell him you're not that great, or that they were disappointed in him. I'm not surprised. Because 
in this day and age, you're always going to have someone that's going to doubt you. You're always going to have someone that doesn't believe in you. And guess what? That can either make you a better person or it can make you, you know, it can make you complete ass. It's all about perception. Other people perceive you. And how that statement was perceived, I don't know. Some of you may say, well, I disagree with what you said. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care. I don't give two fucks. If you like what I said, cool. If you didn't like what I said, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. And people are always going to be assholes, man. That's just that's just human nature. People are either going to be real nice or they're going to be two-faced bitches. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Real is real. Real recognizes real. And that's what I'm going to tell you all. Tupac Shakur said it best. I'd rather be real about something now than wait till I'm on my deathbed and then let it all fucking out and have people just, no matter what you say, and he said there's always going to be people that disagree. And it really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we know what's true and what's not about ourselves. So toodles, bitches. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to Wrestle Radio Network. Be sure to download our episode on iTunes for free, or you can re-listen to it on blogtalkradio.com after two hours. About <clears throat> three in the morning. Something like that. Toodles, bitches. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> Personality, the cult of personality.